Jennifer Wyant is a 5 foot 3 inch 125 pound female with brown hair and brown eyes. Jennifer mysteriously disappeared on Saturday, June 28, 1980 and was possibly last seen at her apartment in Nashville, Tennessee. Jennifer is currently the longest disappearance case listed on the Nashville Metropolitan Police Department's missing person webpage. Her national missing an unidentified person system case number is MP11. There are no known suspects, motive, or crime scene for her disappearance. She simply disappeared off the face of the earth and has not been seen since. The previous episode of Justice for Jennifer touched on the idea that Jennifer may have willingly left her apartment after returning from a league softball party in the evening hours of June 28th. My intent was to introduce the possibility that Jennifer had returned home and proceeded to go out on a Saturday night by either a planned or an impromptu meetup. While I still consider this to have been possible, there are not enough facts established yet to definitely say that this occurred. Something I would like to introduce is that if it did, then there would be two working theories to consider. One is that Jennifer left with someone that she was relatively familiar with, such as someone she had gone out with before. The other is that she left willingly with someone that she didn't know as well. This would be someone new, outside her circle, unknown to her friends and family and virtually under the radar. This doesn't mean that Jennifer did not leave her apartment under duress. However, there is no indication of a crime occurring there and it would have been extremely difficult for an abductor to forcibly remove her without being seen, leaving forensic evidence, and also disposing of her body undetected. We must keep in mind that we're approaching the 39th anniversary of Jennifer's disappearance. I tend to go back and forth as to whether the person responsible knew what they were doing or whether they got very lucky. Right now, it seems like they knew what they were doing. Here's a recap of what we know about the timeline of Jennifer's disappearance. Jennifer had lunch with friends on Friday afternoon at a Taco Bell on Nolensville Road in Nashville. She was reported to be in normal spirits and discussed nothing unusual. We know that Jennifer attended a softball party near her apartment on Saturday afternoon and possibly into the evening hours of June 28, 1980. Jennifer's black Trans Am was later found parked at her apartment. Jennifer was said to have double parked her car because she didn't want to get it scratched. It, it was reported to have been found this way and suggests that Jennifer was the person that parked it. There is currently no information available to indicate that anything out of the ordinary was found at her car or that her apartment was disturbed or occupied Saturday night or Sunday morning.
There are some things that we wish we knew about the disappearance. The discovery of these facts would help move this case forward tremendously and may ultimately be the questions that bring closure to Jennifer's disappearance. One interesting item is that we don't know what Jennifer did on Friday night, June 27, 1980. I feel that this is substantial and should be looked into because if Jennifer had gone out and established a connection with the under-the-radar individual on Friday night and agreed to meet up on Saturday with this person, then it could become a critical part of the timeline and begin to explain why she disappeared. I would say that unless Jennifer simply came home on Friday night and didn't see or talk to anyone, then there is a good chance that someone out there, such as a date or a friend, could vouch for her activity on Friday evening. After almost 39 years, is it possible to learn if Jennifer made any phone calls from her residence on Friday and Saturday evening? It would be helpful to know if she was in contact with any of her friends or family by phone. Of course, I wouldn't expect the police to tell us if they have phone records on file that could indicate she made or answered phone calls from someone who could be considered a suspect in this case. However, there are no known suspects outside of what the police and FBI are internally aware of. So would it harm this case if we officially knew the last time that Jennifer used her telephone? It would help to establish her last known normal behavior and tell us what time it occurred. This would basically mean who saw her and spoke with her last. Along with the last person to speak with Jennifer by telephone, we would like to know who is the last person that saw Jennifer alive on Saturday. Of course, Jennifer was seen at the party, and there is no credible evidence to indicate that she left with anyone. I don't think that anyone outside of possibly the police have been able to definitively establish that Jennifer was actually seen at the apartment. Some sites have indicated that she was last seen in the apartment, but that is unclear whether that means that she was seen entering the complex or apartment, or if she was actually physically seen inside her apartment. If someone could confirm that they saw her exiting her car or walking to her apartment, it would close a gap in the timeline and help to establish that an incident did not occur or begin while she was outside of the apartment. If she met someone and got in the car without ever going into her apartment, could there be someone who witnessed this? Does Jennifer's black Trans Am still exist? Could it be in storage or impound? Or was it sold sometime after the disappearance? The podcast is aware that the car was driven sometime after the disappearance by a private investigator named Larry Britt. And that seems to suggest that if there was indeed any forensic evidence in the car, 
such as fibers or fingerprints, that they may have been compromised or destroyed shortly after the disappearance. It would be helpful to know if any forensic evidence was attempted to be obtained from the car, or was the car ruled out as a crime scene. In November of 2018, the FBI released a VICAP alert. VICAP is the FBI's Violent Criminal Apprehension Program. I was surprised to find this because the aura of Jennifer's case had indicated that it was active but cold. However, I'm highly encouraged because the FBI's resources may be exactly what are needed to move this case forward. Let's discuss the alert and see what we can learn from it. The alert substantiates that foul play is suspected in Jennifer's disappearance. It states that Jennifer's parents reported her missing when they were unable to contact her after she missed church and then did not show up for work on Monday. In my prior discussion with Jennifer's friend, she told me that Jennifer's boss had contacted Jennifer's mother to tell her that she was missing from work. The alert confirms that Jennifer was reported missing on Monday, June 30th, 1980. It also confirms that a search of her apartment revealed it to be undisturbed and her vehicle was parked in the parking lot. The alert also states that on December 11th, 1980, personal property to include Wyant's driver's license was found approximately 15.5 miles southeast of her residence and three miles northeast of Laverne, Tennessee. This is interesting because I was told that Jennifer's license was found in February of 1981 near the Rutherford and Davidson County line. So the time frame in the area matches up with the FBI alert, give or take a few months. The wording is interesting too. When you attempt to understand what is meant by personal property to include Wyatt's driver's license. I can only speculate, but it could mean that the license was found with her purse. It could also mean clothing or other items that were in her purse. I've posted a copy of the VICAP alert on the Justice for Jennifer Facebook and Twitter page. Be sure to check them out. If you happen to be someone that knew Jennifer and could add some useful content to the podcast, I would appreciate hearing from you at j4jpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any information that could be beneficial to leading to the resolution of this case, there is contact information available on the VICAP alert. Also, you can review Jennifer's Missing Person page on the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department's webpage. You can also contact Crime Stoppers, which I believe will allow you to remain anonymous. Crime Stoppers' phone number is 615-742-7463. Justice for Jennifer is available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most major podcast platforms. 
If you like what you've heard today, be sure to give us a good review. And look for us to return soon with updates, additional items, and a discussion on the existence of serial killers in 1970s Nashville. Until then, God bless, and remember, no one deserves to disappear. Thank you.